Hey, Brightsiders, I'll keep this short and sweet since I know you've missed me, right? Well, even if not, I'll keep it short. Because I'm still dealing with the throat issues. Like, maybe I should quit smoking weed. I don't know. Probably won't. But it is what it is. But yeah, so sorry to have not done it on my birthday week. Happy birthday to me. But it really had more to do with LA Comic Con exhausting me. And just wanting to have some time to myself on my birthday. See, unlike most people, I like my me time. And by me time, I really do mean me, alone, in a room. You know, sometimes there, there's beer involved or Chinese food or whatever, but you know, it, it was much needed. And uh, before I keep on rambling, because that's why I'm trying to keep this short and sweet, we have Barbara and Bryant Dillon of Fanbase Press on for this episode, since they are celebrating 10 years of Fanbase Press, the company they founded together, which, you know, I happen to see them at LA Comic Con, and we'll just kind of talk about that. And then, of course, being as nerds, we have to address the big elephant in the room that is all the criticism about Marvel from all of our favorite directors of before time. But, you know what? Who cares? And that's sort of the bright side, as I say, is like, hmm, you know, these people make great things, but we don't necessarily have to care about their opinion. And maybe we can learn to like people even if we don't agree with them. You know, we get into it and, you know, sort of how, you know, we might be becoming our parents a little bit as well. So, yeah, guys, just enjoy the bright side of Marvel Criticism, L.A. Comic Con, and Fan Base Press. Mrs. Brightside is brought to you by Pink Honey Collective the leading self-care brand in the CBD industry with a mission to provide high-quality CBD goodies for all of the busy bees who believe in holistic healing. You can grab your bath, beauty, and wellness products for you and your pet at www.pinkhoneycbd.com and get 20% off with code BRIGHTSIDE. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Pink Honey CBD and Pink Honey Collective. That's promo code BRIGHTSIDE, one word, at pinkhoneycbd.com. Psychology, turn your attention to me, because I'm not just really I. We're joking about I'll be a crime, it's just what I have to say, and I've got a master's degree, now on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Mrs. Brightside. You're listening to Mrs. Brightside, where the glass is always half full. It's your CBT on CBD. And yeah, I'm a little low on the jazz voice between the Cowboys win and karaoke. But you know what? I'm doing it. Um, and of course, I, I never do this alone because then it would be really boring. I have uh, a repeat guest. Uh, introduce yourselves. Sure. I'm yeah. Barbara Dillon. I'm the editor-in-chief of Fanbase Press. And I am Brian Dillon, and I am the uh, president of Fanbase Press, and we are both co-founders yes. of the company. Indeed. Yeah, and I wanted to have you guys on again because you're celebrating a big anniversary of Fanbase Press. Ten years. We're pretty excited. Yeah, yeah 2020 will be the company's 10th anniversary, and uh, we just announced it where we saw you last at yes. LA Comic Con a few weekends ago, and uh, yeah, I think we're just super excited to have worked with the whole team and all of the creators for the past 10 years, and very much looking forward to all that's ahead next year. Yeah, I mean, you guys are award-winning. I mean, with a book like Kinsey, I'm like, are you even looking at movie options? Because I have some people that are interested. Like, like, it's like, what's the next step 
for you guys. Like, yeah. yeah. We're definitely in conversation yeah. for sure. some titles yes. with regard to uh, to be cagey, other mediums. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're always looking for new things, but for us, it's just such a, an honor and a pleasure to work with uh the creator stories that they trust us to tell these stories and to share them with readers in different mediums. Um, but also not just the publishing side, but our staff and our contributors that have been with us over the past 10 years and all of the amazing work that they do to review uh, comics, games, movies, TV, everything, uh, and not just mainstream, but independent creators as well, which is always near and dear to our hearts. So we're, we're just really happy and uh, honored to look back at at all of the work that we've done, the journeys that we've all taken, and, and where we are uh, going forward. I don't have anything to add to Barb's <laughs> Barbara said it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, which is great, because, yeah, that's the thing, is, you know, starting any kind of project, especially, like, a whole company, and then expanding like you guys have is, you know, certainly takes, like, 10 years to build. I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, and now, I mean, like I said, Kinsey was in, in war winning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, how, how great is it to, to finally be noticed, too? Yeah. It's always fantastic mm-hmm. to be uh, recognized. I mean, I, I guess, obviously, um, the 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 awards or the attention that Kinsey got was, was very gratifying in many ways. Um, there's a certain validation that comes from that. Um, and we got to share that with the creators at a lot of really exciting events. Um but I would say that what really was the bonus of of the awards for us that we learned was that uh, as a publisher, you really struggle to get a foothold with fans or to get noticed, as you're saying. And the awards tend to bring a lot more attention. So there's a lot more people checking out the book or seeking it out. Like we experienced, um, obviously, being so lucky to have an Eisner nomination for Kinsey, um, being at San Diego Comic-Con. We had a lot of people that were seeking us out, like they were seeking out most of the the Eisner nominees uh, yeah. to check out those books specifically because they knew, oh, if it's Eisner nominated, it's worth it's worth my uh, attention. Not that books that don't get nominated aren't worth it, but I think it, it adds a little bit of extra uh, push or, or attention or, or indication for people to check out that title, even if you're a small publisher. Yeah, because the Eisners is sort of like the Oscars of comics. It's right. the big one. And, you know, it's at San Diego Comic-Con. And that's where, like, you know, things can finally get noticed. And what I like is certainly about the media expanding when you have stuff like The Boys on Amazon or, um, you know, Skybound's success with stuff like The Walking Dead or things like that. You know, it's not just a Marvel and DC world anymore. No, not Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. And it's funny because I I think it's funny for, to your point, Lucretia, that uh, a lot of comics have been expanded by things like The Walking Dead in that they're not superhero stories, which is fantastic and which is what independent comics and graphic novels have really done is open people's eyes to there are all different genres within comics. It doesn't have to be a superhero tale or that uh, with Kinta it can be a superhero tale, but it can uh, do so to be more inclusive of uh, communities that aren't given a voice or aren't given a platform or even that they simply don't see on comic book pages. So I, I think that's what's really exciting for us that we we have that opportunity to give a voice to those that have not had it um and to simply share an inch a story that is so wonderfully told and, and beautifully illustrated by the creative team yeah and and that's what's great is like people are starting to see comics as not just superheroes like you say or a different type of superhero story or like something that's a little 
you know, more grounded, like, you know, a preacher or Walking Dead, despite the supernatural elements, they're a little bit more bare bones as compared to, like, these big, you know, Marvel and DC features. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, a story like Keensake, we have people literally clamoring for Latinx, uh, you know, products and things like that, and what a great, you know, way of doing it with a comic book, which most people grew up as comic book fans, and now they're seeing people that look like them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what's exciting yeah. for us, and, and uh, with uh, the 10th anniversary, one of the announcements that we made at LA Comic Con was that one of our, our two anniversary releases will be a hardcover edition of Kinsei. It will be Kinsei, the definitive bilingual edition. And what's really exciting and special about it is that we're taking, uh, since the series was, was released digitally in both English and Spanish, we're taking both full series, the English version and the Spanish version, putting them into one hardcover with lots of amazing bonus material. Um, I won't go on about it now, but I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point yes. throughout the podcast. Yes. So, Well, cool. And, and that's what people like because, I mean, you know, we were just at LA Comic Con, like you said, and it was the busiest I've ever seen it. Mm -hmm. yes. They really revitalized it this year, and that's not just because, you know, I knew the people who come in to help consult and put things on. It was just shocking to me because, I mean, I know we've all been in the past and not to, you know, shit on you know, buddy, but it had been kind of sad compared to, you know, other cons, like, that were in certainly less large cities or, mm -hmm. you know, would have made sense to make L.A. this big thing. But this year, like, and I think it's because... This is what's in the zeitgeist right now, even still. I mean, because, yeah, as we'll go, you know, the directors back and forth and blah, 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 Marvel, mm -hmm. all that, like, people are still interested. And people seem more interested in, like, okay, well, there is Marvel in DC, but we like this and that. And, like, like even a show like Stumptown that just came on mm -hmm. is based on a comic book. Mm -hmm. So people are now looking for comics because, you know, they're, that's a medium that they're into, which wasn't there before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. That, that's definitely true. Yeah. And, I mean, I think also, like... Uh, Something that you see with a show like L.A. Comic Con, one of the reasons I think it, it did succeed this year and why it's establishing itself more and more is they did have found somewhat of an identity uh, apart from the other conventions. Um, the main stage yeah, makes it a really yeah, yeah makes it really a different convention from anything else. Mm -hmm. You know where you're if you want to see some of the the top panels, there's a, a way where you don't have to go to any panel rooms, and there's always something going on. And they they did exactly what you were saying this year, where they really seem to embrace um, the creators of the Dark Crystal series on mm -hmm. on Netflix, and they had a costume contest, a number of panels. And those are things that people don't typically think about being in the comic book world, but that's actually what kind of drew me in. I was pulled in by Alien Comics in, in the early 90s, late 80s, and because I was just looking for more material because I would watch the movies to death, you know? And now, I mean, sure, there are these new series happening, but there's a whole world of Archaea comics based on on the world of the Dark Crystal, and that's been going on before they even did the series. But I, I guarantee there's a bunch of people that have watched this series and they're looking for more stories and, and comics of course is almost always a, a good alternative for that you can find so many stories that continue on in comics yeah i mean i know we're all reading fans here like firefly mm -hmm. and buffy and angel all those have continued on in the comics i mean they even have uh Whedon con here yes mm -hmm. i mean you know everything is becoming a little bit more specialized which can be less inclusive in some ways but I thought this year at LA Comic Con, there was a lot more inclusive com content. I mean, my friend moderated the Mayans panel, for example. Sure. I didn't even realize, like, because I was a Suns fan, I tuned in, 
And I was like, you know, not for me. It doesn't seem like a bad show or anything. But I was shocked by how many people were, like, really into this. And I'm like, oh, this is great because I, I want things to succeed. Mm -hmm. And, like, it was a really fun panel to watch because I just happened to go in and, and filmed it for him. And it was just like, wow. And then when you saw, like, Gabriel Iglesias, Fluffy, the comedian, mm -hmm. we were like, are people shouting Rocky? And we go over to the main stage. It's like, no, they're like, Fluffy, Fluffy. And this is a comedian mm -hmm. at, a, at a convention. You know, he really didn't have much to do with comic books, per se. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like, you know, it's now becoming, like, just sort of this pop culture phenomenon, which is sort of pulling more people in and being a little bit more inclusive in its own way. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think LA Comic Con as well, because I did, I had that same reaction yeah. that going into the show that we were a little nervous, what would attendance be like, but we were really blown away, especially on, on Saturday of the convention at the turnout, and I think that they did a great service for themselves in moving the con away from Halloween. Yeah. Uh, because they're, A, it wasn't competing with the many, many events all across LA going on that weekend, but also uh, I feel like every year the the LA Marathon was going on downtown yes, as well, fair. which yeah. was preventing people from getting into the con. So um, I think all of those things, as well as what you're saying about uh, the amazing programming that they offered at the show, just it had this amazing zeitgeist to it that, that really made for a great show. Yeah, I felt like it was more of a mini San Diego than WonderCon had been the last couple of years yeah. in the way that it's just like, okay, this is sort of like a preview of some of the stuff coming up. You're getting a lot of big acts, but it's not going to be like the crazy San Diego-ness. Mm -hmm. sure. And that was what I enjoyed. I mean, but there were some days where I'm like, wow, you can't even walk around in here, which is like good for them. Yeah, yeah Saturday was tough. Yeah. I mean, we, oh, yeah. anytime that we, you know, which was infrequent, but if we had to run to a panel or something on Saturday, it was tough. It was tough getting was. away just because of but how But you know, it was, it was also like uh, noticeable from being at many shows was you can have a show that's huge in attendance and you don't have people engaged or mm -hmm. buying and that was not the case uh, here as well. And, and that's always a, a big positive for us because what that means is that L.A. has a real uh, hunger for this kind of stuff. It mm -hmm. just needs to be provided to them. You yeah. know, it's, it's, not, it's not that they won't show up. You just need to let them know you're doing it and give them uh, something they want to do on that weekend. And I, I, I do feel like, yes, L.A. Comic Con really, um, given, you know, all the, all the changes they've had over the last couple of years regarding names, ownership, all that stuff. Yeah. Like it's great. I, I, I'm really looking forward to next year because it's like, well, yeah, they've reached a, they've established something new here. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And I think they're going to keep the same creative team because it was successful. Cause I knew a little bit on the back end of what was going on and everything. And, you know, attendance was good. Uh, Breaking news had actually happened there, and I don't think that happened before, or like yeah. the Zombieland sure. 2 premiere. Like, mm -hmm. they had a lot of stuff that is normally typically only New York, San Diego, and, and occasionally WonderCon. Right. So yeah. that's finally put them on the map, which is for good, sure. and it's good for you guys being, oh, big sure. you know, locals, and like, as we say, the better these things do, the better for everybody. Exactly. And we can only hope for success. Because, yeah, that, I was a little worried because uh, I moderated the Overwatch panel. Okay. Which, I don't know if you guys were aware of the Hong Kong situation. No. But that had uh, just... Yes. Yeah. That had just broke, like, maybe, like, two days before. And I we that's why we didn't really promote it. Didn't want to do a lot of pictures just because, you know, we didn't want, like... And so we decided, but, it, you know, the show must go on. Uh, but luckily... Um, and I'll, I'll explain. I was like, in case listeners don't know and, you know, will inform. So with Blizzard and Overwatch, there was a player who was from Hong Kong who won a, a contest. Okay. And um, because 
you know, being from his home country, he said something positive and being as, you know, a lot of things are controlled by China. I don't know if you watch South Park, but they've pretty well given them the middle finger, <laughs> which is nice, but that's why South Park won't air there. But it is one of those things that then Blizzard stepped in, this kid just was being uh, patriotic to his country. So being as they're controlled by China in that market, they decided to take away his money and ban him for a year. Oh, no. And so there were quite a few protests, like mm -hmm. I think even down here at the office, we're not too far from where the Blizzard office is, mm -hmm. and a lot of employees walked out, like, because, you know, I'll just admit my stance here, I mean, I'm pro Hong Kong because, you know, I, I watched South Park and when, when investigated what they were talking about, and it does appear to be a pretty big human rights issue. So I applaud them for standing up and I applaud for the people who were standing up. But I was a little worried about people saying stuff at a panel. Thank God all these people are children, basically, who could care less about Hong Kong, China. They just want to talk to their favorite voiceover actors. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. And that, that con, and then I was like, but this is what cons are about. And at least they understood. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, let's just let the fans ask questions and enjoy this and not think about human rights violations. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a, a time you know. to escape for a little bit. Yes, yes, but yeah, like, and that's the thing is these days with tricky situations like the Joker and stuff, mm -hmm. we have to be on alert for those things, yeah. but, you know, because people might get crazy, but, or... <laughs> You never know. You never, you never know. Yeah, no. I think I, it, it, it is a difficult thing to navigate, but I, I think yeah. also Barbara and I have uh, found many opportunities. I would say also to use uh, geeky content or or uh, narratives of any yeah. kind. You know, especially genre narratives to to explore real world issues and to have nuanced discussion. I think really what the struggle that we have these days is social media has really put us into a place where we um, believe that everyone is either against us or everyone believes us one or the other. And, and so we get very defensive no matter what our, the Royal our, we, not we yes, personally. <laughs> no, I mean just everyone yeah. in general. Yes. Um, we get defensive about what we're, what we're stating or we feel like we're not heard or we feel like we need to be yeah. heard. And, and so I think we, uh, Sometimes it's just bringing that conversation to a to a more nuanced, uh, you know, more relaxed place where it's like, hey, we can disagree about things and still like step away in a civilized fashion yeah. or have have civilized discussion about it. But it it is always, as you say, especially at a convention, mm -hmm. um, you never you never know what the next person yeah. walking up to the mic is going to have on their mind or how they're going to express it. Mm -hmm. And, and I think we, to Brian's point, uh, I, especially on our weekly podcast, the Fanbase Weekly, we really try to uh, bring up different topics from the week that are not just, well, what did you think of this movie trailer? Yeah. You know, we really want to dive into uh, the what's important in geekdom and how it impacts our larger lives as a whole. Um, and to Brian's point as well, I think that's what's amazing about genre content is that it can use these very universal images and figures and characters that we can all identify with, um, but it does so in purporting really important messages and themes and things that you can take away and think about yourself. Like, as much as we all may love Captain America, 
there's something really important behind the character of a Captain America and his actions and what he stands for that sometimes I think in geekdom we can lose sight of. So for us, it's really important to highlight those messages sure. and highlight those characteristics that are really important to us and why they're really important to us. And and to in general at Fanbase Press, no matter whether it's through our staff, our contributors, our podcasts, our, the books that we put out, it's really important that they have resonating themes and characters that are identifiable so that you can take away something lasting. It's not just, you know, we of course want you to have fun and be able to escape, sure. but if you can do so and be a better person for it, that's really important to us. Yeah, and honestly, most of this content that I can think of in this geekdom that's around this apartment that I know you guys share and your love of as well, all of it is about telling a story to try and get a point across sure. of a real-life issue mm -hmm. and show different sides, but put it in a cool way so we can, pack it, so right. we can take it in. <laughs> like, that's really what it's about. I mean, because whether, I mean, I always think about when I was a little kid, my dad, like, the Flash and the Green Arrow, so we, he would read those comic books to mm -hmm. us. And um, one of the main Green Arrow stories I remember was, like, between Oliver and um, Hal Jordan Green Lantern, and they were, like, best friends, like, and through, I like their, like, buddy thing, but one is obviously a very liberal and the other one's conservative, but it was, like, about them sort of coming to terms and using things, and you can even see, like, in Captain America Civil War or some of, like, the Oliver and Barry, if you watch the... Uh, you know, TV shows and things sure. like that. These are people who come from different perspectives who work together to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. If only we could try that in the real world now. <laughs> <laughs> well, even behind you, Lucretia, you've got a you've got a lovely um, X Files poster. Yes. I went to believe, and I think that's the same thing. Just yeah. to your point that you know you're bringing together someone who. Um, is more of a spiritually minded yeah. individual uh, versus someone who uh, is more facts based. I guess that's kind of the same. She's uh, Scully's kind of a conundrum in that she, she is a believer. She's in, a, yeah. She is a little bit of a conundrum, but that's yes. the, the, the that is the exploration of the of the show which we are speaking to. Is exactly. like they're yeah. both they both have faith yeah. in things, right. and yeah. they they connect in like they are people that don't initially connect mm -hmm. and eventually do. And again, like I think that what you're talking about yeah. is universal almost mm -hmm. in regards to the things that we're talking about in genre fiction. Um, the X-Files speaks to so many values that people might take from it or might continue to carry on in their lives or they might just enjoy it because it's scary. Or, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, and I think Star Wars is like that. I think Marvel is like that. I think, Star I think it all has those elements and each has its own personality to a degree. But there are... There are deeper messages that you can take from it, but it also can be something that is just an escape as well. And I don't think that that's only relegated to genre entertainment yeah. even. No, I think in no. thinking back to things that are held to high esteem and, and held as high art like Shakespeare, uh, in Shakespeare's time it was something that, you know, the the masses, the peons went to um, and enjoyed a good laugh or enjoyed a, a cry, you know. Well, yes, I mean, uh, we, we know that Shakespeare specifically, historically, wrote the scripts so that he, things were repeated often because he knew his audience would be very drunk and loud. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't get everything, so they had to say the points over and over, so they were like, oh, I understand what's going on. That's why I still think Barley does that with Family Guy, too. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense. And that's the wonderfulness of art. It's not just genre entertainment that does that. It's all forms of art, that they can be enjoyed by one set of individuals uh, for one purpose, whereas a whole different set of people can take completely different messages away from it. Things are, are new. Sure. and and layered and and i think that's what's fantastic about art and uh in any medium 
And now, a word from our sponsors. Pluto TV, the leading streaming television service. Watch over a hundred channels and thousands of movies on demand completely free. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is easy, completely legal, and it's the best way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. You never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. Not sure what you're waiting for? You can be rolling in a matter of moments. Download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices. Do it today, including your phone and Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, Playstations, and anywhere else you stream. It is the best. It is Pluto TV. Pluto TV did not pay for this ad and does not endorse Mrs. Brightside in any way. All opinions expressed on this podcast are endorsed by the host only and should not affect your decision to download Pluto TV. Yeah, I mean, art is subjective, and I think people sometimes forget that that includes every kind of art, not just the, the canvas paintings and of things course. like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and two, it is good to draw your own perspective and, like, share ideas, like, because that's, you know, that's why we do podcasts, right? I exactly. mean, that's how I got started. <laughs> about, Ooh, I thought about this. Oh, I thought about this. And being like, yay! Right, like, right. <laughs> no, there's, I mean, I think there's a, a, uh, a communal spirit to it and there i mean there is that uh feeling of like you want to share your thoughts but i think i guess you know like weirdly enough i think maybe the community aspect is really at least for me the most important and the thing that i'm starting to value the most is that i think there is something that we crave not only just as geeks but as humans to have this community and their social media has provided some of it but there's still something missing that we get when I, we come together in person i feel like uh being at a convention being in that in that room uh with a creator or even just other fans and hearing that share those shared experiences or walking that floor and seeing people enjoy things whether it's someone look through something like that you thought only you like that action figure or that comic or seeing as i've seen many times uh a costumed individual or a small child, you know, see another costumed individual and have Mm -hmm. have this, like, unique, personal, you know, exciting experience. Or just going to your comic book store and having some conversation with the person across the counter about what's good. What, what, have you read this? You know, I, I do think that there is something that is both present in podcasting and all other forms of geekdom that's about like coming together and sh- and having these shared experiences and and not just being able to say and hear other opinions but kind of i don't know be in the in, in a in a similar environment with others that share uh similar values or similar experiences yeah, I mean, and one of my favorite, uh, you know, shows was Community, and, like, Starburns Industries was there, and I was, like, really interested in that, because, like, they, you know, Starburns was even a character, Dino Stenopoulos, the comedian, and, you know, just even little things like that, I'm like, something that's just loosely related, that you're excited about, sure. and I was like, whoa, and I'm probably one of the few people that was that excited about it, but you know what, that's fine, I'm fine with being that guy, <laughs> or, like, every time I saw it, because I was a big fan of the boys on Amazon, have you guys seen oh. Yeah, we really, really loved it. Every time I saw a costume from that, like, did you see the guy that was, uh, that had the baby, like, with the eyes? That was my favorite one because it was so subtle. And I was like, yeah, so he's supposed to be, you know. 
Oh, man. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's so clever. Or, like, I saw Homelander, and I was like, all right. Yes. Oh, we did see, Homelander, did see Homelander, yes. Because, yeah. you know, that was something that's new, because I was not even familiar with that, even though I liked Preacher, Garth mm-hmm. Ennis's books growing up, but I was like, the boys came out much later, and I'm like, sure. I was really into this, so I'm glad that a lot of the other people were kind of in, because I'm even trying to make a Starlight costume for Halloween, and I'm like, oh... So, like you say, that thing you like, but then there's every other people that I was with were like, oh my god, it's Doug, like, or, you know, anything. And, like, I have a picture with me of Quail Man. Like, oh, nice. <laughs> like, and I'm like, it's whatever, because I remember my first San Diego. I was so excited to see a dude dressed like Ace Ventura. Oh, nice. I was like, who would dress like Ace Ventura? Sure. But I love that movie. <laughs> yes. And it's just those things that it's like, we can all remember, like, you know, because they mean something to us. Mm-hmm. But, again, it's subjective. It's what you like. But mm-hmm. there's something for everybody. Exactly. And that's about, that's what the community is of cons. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. all coming together, a diverse group of people and age groups. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think additionally to that is the idea that, and what you were saying, Lucretia, that it's diverse, but it's it's inclusive in the sense that everything yeah. is welcome. There's no negativity towards one another for whether or not you like something, um, that we can be supportive of one another in our differences, in our uh, likes and dislikes in a, a positive and respectful way. Well, and I guess what I would say, just to be clear, because I, I hear what you're saying. There is negativity. Out <laughs> oh, yeah. There, there is. is. I mean, yes. I, we, yes. we are not promoting it, but there it is out there. I mean, that's so I think the whole reason that this discussion is happening right now. Um, and I guess all I would add to that is, like, I think it's important to provide that environment, you know, but it's also... Um, not always like you have a duty, but I think it is incumbent on some of us to, uh, when we see people being, you know, to over to use a overused word toxic, um, to, to have an approach to kind of like call them out on it. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be the kind of thing where we are righteous or we're better than other people. You know, it's not like you need to go around looking for the toxic people. But I think if you're in a group of friends and you feel like someone says something that is going to make, others in the group feel less okay with you know talking about their interests or feeling like their interest is belittled or stupid or something i think it's fine to say hey like you cannot like it and it's okay for you know us to not like you know be so venomous or 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 uh aggressive you know why not why don't why not talk about what we find different about it as opposed to like belittling it or or making someone else feel isolated you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what a good way to transition into, like, the main news all over the last few weeks is, like, you know, certain, uh, at least some of our favorite directors, I'm sure, because they've created some of the greatest movies of all time, like Taxi Driver, Mm -hmm. which clearly inspired one of the latest comic book movies, Um, or The Godfather. But, yeah, Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola do obviously not share our love of Marvel movies. But I don't. Th- I do think that what they're saying is negative. But I don't feel like they're being like they're being elitist in the way that we've made better movies. But I don't think that any of their comments felt like belittling to me as a person. Sure. Like because it's not like you're stupid for liking these. It's just like I think these are stupid, and I think that's where some people have sort of missed the distinction. What do you guys sure. think? Like yeah. I would agree. I, yeah. I think a lot of times it comes down to the idea of approach. Um, yeah. And I think that, I think it was James Gunn recently that I yeah, saw his, his response. Yeah. It, it was a classy response of just, you know, hey, I, I am a big fan of one of these creators. Um, 
And it just is unfortunate to me that, that they feel this way about my work. But I think that's the thing. I think that, like you said, Lucretia, it's not a personal attack on anyone. Yeah. Um, no one has to like any movie, nor do they have to see it. Um, but I think the idea of approach is that, is it is it necessary to go out <laughs> no. and specifically say this? No. Would I do yeah. that? No. But it, then again, I'm not at the level of a creator like Martin Scorsese or Francis Ford Coppola. Um, and they're welcome to their opinions. They're welcome to share their ideas with people. I do feel like it's unfortunate, but am I? Do I feel personally attacked? No. Are they? Um, do they have every right to their opinion and to their speech? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but again, is it unfortunate? Yeah. I, it, but I'm just not the person who likes to go out and say negative well, yeah. things that might might offend or, or uh, make others feel bad. That's just not me. It's. I mean, I think you. We all. We know that the film industry is in a weird place, and like. The Marvel and, and basically Disney with its Marvel and Star Wars films and, and others pieced in, but Marvel specifically. I mean, when you think of the 20 plus films, yeah. they have dominated the movie market. Um, so I can understand the frustration of like, hey, the only things that are getting greenlit are these big budget Hollywood quote unquote theme park uh, yeah. rides. And I will admit some, you know, some movies are theme parks. I don't, I don't necessarily feel that way. About the Marvel films, I know some people do. I, I think they have uh, a, a deeper crafting to them, similar to Star Wars, where there are uh, important moral messages and topics that can be discussed beyond them. Um, but I do I can understand if someone feels like, oh, I feel like some of these are cookie cutter, or I feel like they're coming out so fast that, you know, if you casually catch just the commercials, you might think that they're just all the same. Mm -hmm. um, the world is obviously changing around these guys. They're feeling a little yeah. bit frustrated about where the film market is going. But I, I would imagine that something similar will be going on um, 30, 40 years from now. Uh, I would not expect the Marvel movies to still be going like super strong. I would imagine something else has taken over. And, and I'm kind of like you, Barbara. I'm, I'm a... I'm, um, I'm a little, I guess I'm a little less friendly to, to my friends because I do consider Coppola and Scorsese friends. I studied them in, in school. I think they're fantastic storytellers. But I think this smacks of old manism. <laughs> yeah. um, it feels like when I hear other creators, like Steven Spielberg has said things, James Cameron has said things, uh, you know, you feel like you reach a certain point and it's hard to see out of where, where you've risen to. And, and I feel like what's going to happen, unfortunately, for these guys now is while they could be talking about the financial struggles that they're having with these movies, why the Marvel movies are frustrating to them, or maybe talking about like, hey, what would I do with these films to, to like, you know, make them a little bit more accessible? Um, I think they're going to get uh, pushback because I've already seen like the, the latest things, um, some people have started asking Scorsese about like, well, you don't seem to do many films with female characters. What about that? Mm -hmm. And so I think they're, unfortunately, by, by saying some of these sort of ill-worded things, I think they're, some of their former works are now going to come under scrutiny. Not that that should happen, but it's very easy to look at Martin Scorsese's comments and go like, all right, man, I get you think the Marvel films are all the same, but do you realize how many... Uh, Robert De Niro mob movies that you've done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like, you, I think there are, a lot of them are great and have different things to say, but it would be very easy, the, I think the same about the MCU, it would be easy for me to go, 
how many mob movies are you gonna do, Marty? Like, you like, have you figured out what the you know different thing than a mob movie at twenty? You know, at this point, and I I would think that would be as ill advised and sort of shallow. But I think you know? I think the important takeaway, just as we're doing here, we are three people yeah. who have all different worldviews, and it's okay that we're having this conversation. Yeah, of course, there's nothing wrong with it. We're doing so amicably and yeah. sharing thoughts and ideas, um, and I think that that's really hard sometimes through social media to have nuanced complicated layered conversations that we don't have to take one side or the other we don't have to be diametrically opposed to one another or take offense from one another it's totally fine. i don't have to convince you, you don't have to convince me. It's, <laughs> i welcome you to have your own ideas and i will have mine but i think it's i think part of what brian was saying earlier about community is so ingrained in the fabric of geekdom in that we love sharing narratives and stories with one another and so it's okay to also share conversations and thoughts and opinions um, and perspectives and so I because I know that there has been on social media some pushback of the fact that we're having these conversations at all but I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with communication or with community or they say the same thing about fan theories lately there's been a weird pushback of fan theories because i specifically with star wars fans it seems like people felt like the divisiveness divisiveness of last jedi was because so many people had had all these fan theories off of the force awakens and for me that's really sad because i would think like maybe there are some people that need to we have a discussion about like hey don't get so invested in your fan theory because you don't (laughs) know what's going to happen but the idea that like we shouldn't theorize or we shouldn't speculate or talk about like what might happen next, I mean that's that's part of why we love doing this, mm-hmm. you know. That's the fun part of a lot of this stuff is because most of these things have been around since we were even kids, like we, or before we were born, like mm-hmm. Star Wars and stuff like that. So we've all grown up with this, so we feel like we know these people enough, you know, these characters in this or like things about it to where we can predict, and that's something that that makes us feel special and not in the millennial special way of like, oh, like we feel like we can share this and we and we know this enough to like really think about it. And yeah, and I honestly think that's the bright side of these directors saying a lot of stuff like this is because it is kind of causing people to examine it a little bit sure. because when someone else you respect, because most people who watch the MCU love Martin Scorsese and love Francis Ford Coppola and now they're like, holy crap, maybe I am taking this too seriously. <laughs> and that's what I do think is, like, the bright side. Because I do like that, I mean, a lot of people have come out, like, you know, with very respectful responses, too, which we used to not see for, mm-hmm. like, the longest sure. time. Yeah. A lot of people were just, like, throwing poo back at each other, as you say. But, yeah, like, you know, Joss Whedon, you know, replied on Twitter, to, you know, that he sees Scorsese's point, like, kind of we all do. Like, sure. there is a level of theme parking this with the big explosions, But he notes, like, you know, James Gunn's work is an exception. It's like, you know, I first think of James Gunn, how his heart and guts are packed into Guardians of the Galaxy. I revere Marty. And, um, I'm sorry, I hate this (laughs) pop-up. I was like, I'm trying to read. And then I do see his point, but, well, there's a reason why I'm always angry. A latter reference to Bruce Banner's famous uh, Avengers line. Yes. And I was like, that's funny. (laughs) <laughs> no, there has been a lot of nuanced discussion of it, and I would agree that it, it it's one thing that I, I don't know if anyone agrees with this that's listening, but I feel like would help all geeks is if we 
are strong enough in our faith of uh, things we love to accept that like criticism isn't a dagger criticism isn't a, something that will destroy it if you're confident that you love it someone's not going to whisper in your ear and destroy your your love for it it might change your mind and but then that's just your your different perspective and i don't know i, I guess i come from maybe a different i don't know if it's different in in uh it's probably not unique but different in a way where like when i was a geek you couldn't really, you know, in high school, you kind of hit it. I remember keeping Star Wars books very close to the chest. I remember I was like the lone Buffy fan in my town for, at least I thought that, for at least a year and a half. And it oh, was the sort other of, kids weren't allowed to hang out with me because I was allowed right? to watch Buffy. See, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 so like we've all, I think, had those experiences where it's like, I love this and people are going to say it's horrible and dumb yeah. and stuff like that, but I'm still going to love it. Um, so... I, I don't know. I guess all I would take from that is like it's oh it, you really can stand up to uh, criticism. It's not gonna you don't need to stand up to it. I guess you can endure criticism, yeah. <laughs> especially if it's not about you. If it's just about something you love, um, maybe just take that time to think more about it and and find out if there's there's a other perspective. You know. Yeah, and like James Gunn himself even was like, Martin Scorsese is one of my five favorite living filmmakers. I was outraged when people picketed The Last Temptation of Christ, great movie by the way, without having seen the film. I'm saddened that he's now judging my films in the same way though. And that's what I say. I, I like that James Gunn kind of brings that, you know, he's like, but with that said, I, I always love Scorsese. Be grateful for his contribution to cinema and can't wait to see The Irishman. And I'm not saying religious zealotry is the same as not liking my movies or in the same category. What I'm saying is I'm not fond of people judging things without seeing them, whether it's a movie about Jesus or a genre. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's a fair point. Mm -hmm. Like, and like, because that is the biggest issue with what they're saying. Like, if they were like, we saw these, these were garbage, like, whatever. But I think that's most people's, like, point. Like, it's like, but you haven't even watched them. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they don't have to either. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're not for everybody. Um, mob movies aren't for everybody. It, you know, the, that's the beauty of art and cinema. And uh, you, it can be whatever you need it to be for whomever it needs to be. And I think the thing that we all strive to do, uh, whether it be through our company or Lucretia, the work that you do, mm -hmm. is simply to give voice to people's stories so that more people can experience that same thing of seeing sure. themselves finding art that speaks to them uh, or that is meaningful to them yeah and like i say art is subjective and i think that some people with the, the and i think some people are finally getting that this is art and this is subjective too <laughs> because it did help that everybody loved marvel movies for the longest time as a dc fan i knew that you know, that was not a reality for everything, mm -hmm. you know, or like with stuff like The Last Jedi, like some things lately have not been as critically, you know, praised, like say Marvel films constantly always are. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so like, I'm just, I, I, dare I say glad that people are finally getting, guess what? Not everybody loves everything. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's not my just bull crap DC crap that I defend all the time. <laughs> <laughs> The CW shows are really good, people. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, is it all comes down to being like, okay, we, we just need to learn to get along. And mm -hmm. sometimes people are going to say things we don't like, and they may even hurt our feelings, like James Gunn. But James Gunn is like, still love Martin Scorsese. Sure. You can still love people that hurt your feelings. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Uh, anything else um, on um, the Marvel movie backlash? I don't know. I feel um, like it. No, I don't. I don't think hmm. that there's too much to cover, yeah. except that I think it probably is a universal struggle for humans of all time, of all kinds, to age gracefully and not utter those classic words like things were better when I was younger you know so yeah. I, I think that's the one thing I would take away from this is um, maybe we can all try to keep a, an eye towards uh, not <laughs> poo-pooing the next generation as we as we all age yeah, uh, a great man once said, never take life too seriously, you won't get out alive. I learned, I forget the poet, I'll, I'll probably go back and fact check this, because I got it from the movie Van Wilder, Reynolds, <laughs> but apparently it was a famous quote before then. But yeah, James Gunn did have like a final sentiment after Coppola weighed in, sort of giving, you know, his thoughts um, as well, basically backing uh, Martin Scorsese. Sorry, I'm going to get that out, but... Yeah, and, and it basically is your sentiment of like, you know, the old man syndrome, our parents. We all, as I've said, we all eventually become our parents, and I'm seeing it much more myself, and I hope everyone's just self-aware one day. But yeah, James says, many of our grandfathers thought all gangster movies were the same, often calling them despicable hero. Some of our great-grandfathers thought the same of Westerns and believed the films of John Ford, Sam Peckinpah, and Sergio Leone were all exactly the same. I remember a great-uncle, too. I was writing about Star Wars. He responded by saying, I saw that when it was called 2001, and boy, was it boring. Superheroes are simply today's gangsters, cowboys, outer space adventures. Some superhero films are awful. Some are beautiful like westerns and gangster movies, and before that, just movies. Not everyone will be able to appreciate them, even some geniuses, and that's okay. <laughs> and I think that's the sentiment, and that's okay. That's okay, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it, it's just funny to me because like, it, as I'm thinking about my grandfather, my grandfather thinks that Christian Bale and Joaquin Phoenix are the same person. Oh, like, <laughs> like this is how old people think, guys. Like, it'll confuse them all the time because those were some of my favorite actors growing up. Great to know that now they're Batman and the Joker. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was just right. like he would confuse them. <laughs> <laughs> this is what old people do. They do think everything's the same after a certain point. I get, I'm at that point with music. A lot of new music. I'm old, and I'm like. Who's this? Is this Taylor Swift? <laughs> <laughs> it all sounds the same, and it, and and that's just a sad fact about getting older. One day we'll probably say that about our kids' crap that they like too. <laughs> <laughs> How about you guys? Have you started to see how you've become your parents? Um, I don't know that I I have uh, felt that. I I guess where I go more is I think of I think of everything in genre perspective so i i go back to uh things like what the opening of watchmen uh, yeah. where you basically have uh the comedian sort of sitting in his apartment you know in the in the late 80s uh thinking about the life that could have been or the life that was and kind of seeing the past through rose-colored glasses and there's even not to be subtle, I think a, a commercial for yeah. a perfume called Nostalgia, you know. And But I think that it, what Moore is saying in that scene very much is like nostalgia is super powerful uh, in a way that it makes us look back at the past. I mean, even in that story, again, Sally Jupiter, who has a very horrible relationship with that character, says, you know, uh, 
thing essentially like the as you, as things go on the, the bad parts fade away and only the good parts burn brighter so i i think it's I think it's just a human thing. I think everyone will uh, struggle with that feeling of like, hey, like I remember the things that I loved of my childhood or certain moments or certain things and the new things don't live up for you that way. And it's really being able to be self-aware enough to be, um, to have a, a conversation with yourself of like, hey, am I seeing things through my perspective, is it really that way? You know, did everything really, was it all better before? Or, or maybe I'm, this is just the next cycle, you know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I mean, you do see they're rebooting everything for us, like Ghostbusters. I mean, Stranger Things was just like a throwback to the 80s. And, and you sort of have to think about it, though. Like, and, and I think that's sort of forcing us to look and be like, okay, do, do we really, like, is this just fond memories? Or is this stuff really... And we're able to kind of throw, you know, in, like, and see what was real, quote-unquote, and not just, like, a beloved thing that, you know, was just a throwaway for that. Like, you know, what was this? I know you're a big Alien fan. It's yeah. like, the more Alien movies that come out, you're really happy, but you're like, okay, like, you know, when is when does this stop? Or, when, you know, when is enough? Yeah. Sure. You yeah. know, I don't know if it ever needs to stop yeah. for me because I feel like storytelling is just going to go on forever. Maybe coming from a stage background mm-hmm. where we tell the same stories over and over, that that's in my DNA. But, like, I do think that mm-hmm. discussion is happening with things like, say, the Disney uh, live action, quote-unquote yeah. live action, uh, you know, remakes. Um, there's a lot of anger around these, it seems, because we love the animated classics so much. But these stories have been told over and over again, and a lot of these stories are 20 years old. I would definitely show the animated films to a child of mine, but I also completely understand uh, from a a storytelling perspective why it's like, oh, it's time to retell these stories and introduce them to a new audience. I also understand the feeling of this is a cash grab or this is some sort of rehash or there, you know, there isn't the same kind of uh, care provided. Uh, but I will say that I think it's just like, at some points I had, I had realized like, hey, for kids that grew up with the Star Wars prequels, they don't see them the same way that I do. Um, yeah, they don't you see know? them as a personal attack. Right, right. They, they, well, it's all Star, <laughs> like it's it, all Star Wars to them. You know, they yeah. don't, they don't see it as before or good or bad, you know, and so, I think it's probably the same with a lot of these things. I think there are probably many positives to the like Disney remakes and things that the kids get out of them. And we have the probably things that they don't that they would have got out of the animated versions. But I think it's just a new generation's telling the story. And if you as the old older generation feel like, hey, that's not my version... That's fine. You just don't need to destroy the new. They'll <laughs> <laughs> just shit on them for their, their projects either. Like, but because most of them are at least at the core of the same thing. Because I grew up where our dad would let us watch movies like Ghostbusters and Swamp Thing, but we also had the cartoon versions too. And I'm pretty sure we love them equally. I mean, eventually we like the movies more sure. as you get older. But at that time, when you're a little kid, you think those cartoons are great. Like. And it's a more palatable way for you to enjoy them. Same thing with with these Disney movies. Like the, these, sometimes these live action ones are a little scary for say smaller sure, kids yeah. that you might show the cartoon for. Mm-hmm. And then later, hey, we can watch this one. And there's a place for all of it. When they do a lot of changes yeah. that are kind of interesting with characters too. So it is the kind of thing where it's not just like they, you know, slap a CGI cover on the stories. I I just recently saw the Lion King one, and and there are 
story elements that are actually different so that you get different perspectives there were things i was like well, that's really interesting and there are other things like i was like why did you do that <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. lion king is hamlet anyways right, right. yeah like, it's yeah, not it's, it's not like, like an original story <laughs> and, and <laughs> we don't even get into the whole way yeah. kimba the white lion <laughs> oh yeah you know yeah. so there's there's lots of there's lots of ways these stories yeah. have been retold over and over mm-hmm as I always tell people, do you know that Lion King and Sons of Anarchy are actually based on the same thing? You know, like, oh, they're all Hamlet, guys. It, it is funny to go back, I mean, because that is the thing, is everything sort of is a copy of a thing and making it easier and easier for us to digest, I think. But, like I say, we all eventually become our parents, and it, and it is funny because I start to notice, it's like, you know, podcasting is kind of like being a radio DJ, and... I got Alice Cooper over there, got Green Arrow up there, and oh, I'm becoming my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so how about you, Barbara? Are you, are you becoming your parents at all? Um, I, I think I'm more like Bryant that I agree oh. that uh, for me, I it's, it's important to me to be really aware of generalizations that we make towards, yeah. especially as we age and there are younger generations that... Uh, not all millennials are the same, and no. you know, it's a wide age range, exactly. And, and backgrounds. Yeah, for me, it's just the generalizations on a whole are really important not to make because you never know someone's life experience. Every person has their own life experiences, has their own perception, has their own worldview, and so for me, it's like Brian was saying, it's really important to understand that not everything uh, is experienced through yourself, and mm-hmm. that it's okay not to like something and it's okay for something to be made not for you um and it's actually important that a lot of things not be made for you because that means that it's made for other people um but i think that that's something as all white individuals here i think that that's something that we've not experienced uh to a great degree and so i think that uh there is pushback from some individuals in our society because of that but i think it's really important that we uh, take it upon ourselves to be more self-aware of that and to be more aware of just the viewpoints of of younger generations. I mean, you look at people like Greta Thunberg who are doing amazing things and that's hope. Like that is the future for us. Uh, it's not the the world will not crumble if our society from our generation dies. You know, there will be future generations to create new art, to have new ideas, to carry on the mantle of the world. So it's important that we foster those young people's ideas and that we be supportive of them and not try to tear them down. I feel like when you are, uh, if you are going to age into anyone, you will age into Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I, I, Barbara's a huge Mr. Rogers fan. And honestly, like I, hearing you talk and having been with you for a, a long period of time, seeing, seeing you age a little bit as I age as well, um, I, think, I think that you've taken a lot of lessons from that man. And I feel like he's interesting in this conversation because when you really study Mr. Rogers, he was, he did not have a lot of positive thoughts about the way television was being used. No. Um, That's he, why you he know, did what yeah, it's exactly yeah. why he did what he did. But he also, I felt like when you see him inter- interact with people and the way they talk about him interacting with people, you would have never seen Mr. Rogers 
you, you know, go after someone the way that we're talking about, like some of these uh, directors or some of the commentary. Oh, yeah. Like even if he disliked something that you were creating on television, he had a certain respect for you as a human person. And he would, I would think he would want to engage you in conversation to see why you created that thing that way. You know, what, what is it about you that, that made you feel that you needed to tell that story that way? And, and I think that we, again, it's not like we all have to be Mr. Rogers, but I think we could learn from something from that. Yeah. I mean, didn't Mr. Rogers just say, be kind, be kind, be kind. Exactly. He very much did. (laughs) He repeated it like three times so that we would hopefully get it. And I do feel like we have a lot of, you know, people, I mean, even going back to these directors, like James Gunn's response was very empathetic, respectful and everything. And you can do that. Or like Taika Waikiki is just such a nice dude, always saying positive things about other people's stuff. It's like, you know, we, we do have that, and, and we can hope for more of that, but at least what we see with people like Scorsese or Coppola, it's like, you know, they're getting older, they're getting crotchetier, you know, everybody has opinions, but, you know, it, as I'll say, like, I've heard worse, and, sure. <laughs> like, I'm like, eh, I'm just like, can't we all just get along? <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, as we wrap up here, um, do you have any upcoming things you want to announce for Fanbase Press coming out? We do, we have a lot of things that we want to announce. Barbara, you want to go ahead? Uh, So as we teased earlier in the episode, uh, as part of our 10th anniversary next year, we have two very exciting releases. The first coming out in January 2020 will be Kinsei, the Definitive Bilingual Edition. As I mentioned, um, it will take both the English and Spanish editions of the story, which was created by Sebastian Kedlecik, written by Kit Steinkellner, illustrated by Emma Steinkellner, and translated by Valeria Trenier. Um, both editions of the series will be put into an oversized hardcover, uh, but what's super amazing in addition to that is that we have forewords by Gloria calderon Kellett, who is the showrunner of One Day at a Time, the latest iteration. Uh, Peter Marietta, who is the showrunner of Mr. Iglesias, speaking of uh, Mr. Uh, of Fluffy from yes. earlier in the episode. Available on Netflix. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and Kevin and... Hinch is the head writer there. He's a friend of Adam Gorilla. Oh, oh fantastic. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's a good yeah. show. Um, so they will both be writing forwards for the book. Uh, we also have an art gallery uh, with four amazing Latinx creators. Uh, we have uh, two pieces of educational content. Uh, Dr. Teresa Rojas uh, contributed a study guide for the book for teachers and educators. And uh, Frederick Luis Aldamas, Aldama uh, created a, an educational essay about the importance of quinceañeras to the Latinx culture. Um, so it's really phenomenal. Uh, that will be coming out in January. And we also have Nuclear Power, which speaking of stories with really impactful and meaningful themes, um, this is a six-issue series which will be starting digitally next October, timed with the uh, uh, anniversary of the Cuban Missile Crisis, because it's actually an alternate history tale where uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, the Soviet Union attacked and there was nuclear war. And so we come to the story six years after the aftermath of nuclear war, and um, it's a story very much about the depths to which uh, an authoritarian government will go to protect or deceive 
its people. Um, so we're really talking about uh, the ideas of uh, immigration and why it's important and why we have to be valuing of immigrants. And, and this was supposed to be during the Cuban Missile Crisis? Mm-hmm. They, they, that's uh, yeah. It initially starts yeah. during the Cuban Missile yeah. Crisis, but then we, we basically follow the sort of the rebuilding of civilization afterwards and, and what that civilization is because of the the trials and tribulations uh, those individuals have been have gone through mm-hmm. um, but it's it, what's also nice uh, or interesting I would say about this series um, is uh, it's quite kind of the dual spectrums with Kinsey and, and nuclear power this is going to be a lot more adult uh, focused um, obviously accessible I would say to like teens as well but there you know it will be more like something like uh, The Walking Dead or Why yeah. the Last Man, where it's, it's, it's like a serious drama, mm-hmm. you know? And very using themes or, you know, from the past or things that are kind of relevant to now. That was For why sure. I was like, that's what's interesting to me. It's like, oh, this is supposed to be then, but what's going on now? Yeah. No, and it touches on a lot, of, like as Barbara was saying, authoritarian, yeah. uh, authoritarian uh, governments. It touches on, uh, you know, your right uh, to control your own body, what's done with your own body, uh, there's government restrictions, uh, walls dividing society, lots of things. And of course, there might be some, you know, sci-fi aspects yeah. as well that people will find uh, fun in a, in a thriller comic book type of way. And I'll also note that it is written by uh, the writing team of Desiree Proctor and Erica Harrell, and it's illustrated by Lynn Yoshi, and it's really simply phenomenal. So we're super excited about both releases. I think people will be bl- blown away by the uh, the artwork of this book, so if they have not seen the covers or some of the, the preview pages that are out there on some of the various sites, I would say do some Googling of a nuclear power comic. Yeah, and what a good time for that, because right now, I mean, there's a lot of discussion about nuclear, and the Chernobyl documentary was a little ill-timed, because it it is an interesting discussion that we're not having because of the negativity of that word, nuclear. Mm -hmm. Sure. But it is one of those things that it's like, no, no, not those nukes. Like, what they're doing in France to build sustainable energy. So that's what's interesting to me, like, Mm -hmm. to read. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, I'll see how they deal with that, that conundrum that is, it's like, well, we need it, but we need to use it this way. But, you know, it's kind of like Dark Matter on the Flash. You know? <laughs> no, very much so. It's kind of stunning yeah. how uh, the power that is uh, both for creation and destruction mm-hmm. that is uh, harnessed by humanity for that. Yeah, I mean, isn't that sort of like the crux of just about every superhero story? It is very it's much. Like, <laughs> All right, and anything else coming up for you guys? Got those two um, other than that, we're going to, I mean, we have some uh, ongoing specials right now for our horror books for uh, for Halloween, uh, uh, the Halloween spirit, so you can definitely check those out. I'm sure we'll be doing some, um, some holiday packages for our books, so if you're looking for some unique uh, comic book-related gifts or genre gifts, you can check out uh, Fanbase Press, uh, you know, in the upcoming months for those. And then uh, we're going to be wrapping up our, our podcast. So we're coming to the, the end of uh, the fourth season of the Fanbase Weekly. We actually bypassed uh, our 100th episode this season. And uh, we also now have over 100 Fanbase features, which sort of dive into panel discussions, interviews, uh, all sorts of, of fun, geeky content. So if you are a podcast fan, which I assume that if you're listening, you are, uh, definitely check that out as well on iTunes or fanbasepress.com. 
Cool. And y'all actually have like a family of pods, don't you? We do. Yeah. We do, yeah. yeah. And everything's available through the site at fanbasepress.com through the audio link. Uh, and everything's on iTunes. Um, but yeah, we hope everyone will check it out. And we're also on all of the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, iTunes, YouTube, everything except MySpace. Yeah. I don't think I have one of those anymore, you know. It's, it's a rarity. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I remember having one. Uh, do you want to drop your personal social? Sure. Or? Yeah. Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Comic Book Slayer, and I am on uh, Instagram at Comic Book Sniffer. And I am Hello Kitty. Yeah, you can exactly. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Barbara J. Dillon, and I'm on Instagram at Barbara.Dillon, I think. I, I think. think that's you, yeah. I Barbara dot. I think it's a period. A period. But a dot. No. Whatever. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> whatever it looks like. I think exactly. Barbara dot Dylan. I'm going to call you Dylan. that from now on. Do it. This <laughs> is my partner, Barbara dot Dylan. <laughs> that just sounds like a cool middle name. Like, Barbara dot Dylan. I like it. <laughs> All right, guys. Since I'm with Risha Line, you can always find me at L A C R E T I A L Y O N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> I'm coming out of my range and I'm doing alright. Gotta, gotta be on because I wanna. See you next Tuesday. Tired of nagging yourself to get a website for your artistic career already? Radportfolios.com creates affordable custom websites for artists. Use code BRIGHTSIDE. That's one word for half off your website startup. Radportfolios.com so you can get back to getting booked.